verse that we had uh, at the end from Psalm 90, verse 12. Anybody remember? Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days correctly, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So if Moses wrote that, we need to figure out what it means to number our days correctly. I mean, we know how we do number our days. We just did it, very specifically. At midnight on the 31st of December, 2008, it became the 1st of January, 2009. That's how we number our days. That's why the BBC gets some cheap acts in and plays the best bits of 2008 in slow motion. And they really needed slow motion to get all the best bits of 2008 to last 45 minutes, let me tell you. And at the end of that quick review, those few isolated moments in slow motion, one of the high points of 2008, apparently Tom and Camilla winning Strictly Come Dancing. It was a slim year for high moments, it really was. It was basically mostly of the Olympic Games, I think, if you look back. So that was 2008. In just a few minutes, we looked back. And then suddenly, boldly, we looked forward. And there was the miracle of New Year. And there's excitement of New Year's resolutions. Now, I have made a little paper model here of how New Year works, of how we number our days. It's inside this book. To be honest, it's a pretty simple model because there's nothing inside this book. But I was a little obsessive-compulsive as a child, and so I hope you'll humour me with this example. But maybe a few of you were like me. And at school, after a while, your exercise book would get a little bit ragged. The corners would be turned up, you'd have dropped it in the mud, you'd have spilled orange juice and Cheerios on it for breakfast. Inside it would be full of crossing out and little red crosses from the teacher that weren't kisses. <laughs> and then, just, well, once or twice a year would come the magical moment. And for me, as a non-religious child, this was the most religious moment of my childhood. Every so often through the year, I would get a new book. Look at how square that is around the edges. Look at all those perfect white pages. It sizzles and crackles with opportunity for everything that I could put on these clean pages. It smells fantastic. It looks fantastic. And so, with all the care and calligraphy as if I was writing to the Queen, I would put my name upon this book. And on the second line, I would write my class. And on the third line, I would write the date. And then, I would open the book. And there it is. That was the most exciting moment of all of my school days. That first page of every new book. If I had worked with the skill and care every one of my lessons that I did on each of those first pages, I would now be a rocket scientist and a brain surgeon at the same time. If I had been as diligent with every word I wrote as I was with the first word I wrote on that first page, on that white perfection, with all of these other perfect pages stretching ahead. You see, that, friends, is how New Year works. Every year at midnight on the 31st of December, we get to put the old exercise book of 2008 behind us, and there lies just one new page. And oh, the excitement, oh, the promises we make as we drink champagne and sing badly, that this year, somehow that first page will be beautiful, and so will every page that follows. But that's not how we number our days according to Moses, because you see, for every first page, there are 364 other pages. 
my most disappointing page was always the second page. You see, having written carefully and rather heavily on the first page, the moment you get to the second page, you can already see what you wrote coming through the back. The book is already ruined. And by the time you get to the third and the fourth page, you've already given it to the teacher and they've marked it. You've already dropped it. And on one terrible occasion, I smudged my name as I wrote it on the front of the book. I was mortified for about six months that I had to carry this soiled book around with me, reminding me of my failure everywhere I went. This is not how we number our days. Now, this next bit is the most nerve-wracking for Tim, for Foe, and for myself for different reasons. Tim, I need to press some buttons in the gallery, and hopefully something will appear on the screen here and in the concourse. That was nerve-wracking for them because we didn't know if this was going to work or not. It's nerve-wracking for me because I've never really read any books on preaching, but I'm pretty sure if I read one, it would say, don't put five really big clocks on the screen while you're preaching. It's simply not a good idea. But here are some different ways we can number our days. Moses said, teach us to number our days correctly that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Somewhere on that screen, there is a heart of wisdom. These are different ways that I could choose to number today, this very moment that I'm talking to you now. The top one I call the clock of yesterday. It's deeply personal. That's the number of seconds that I've been alive. I had to phone my mother this week and ask her exactly what time I was born. That's a very accurate clock. I have been alive for very nearly 1.2 billion seconds. I was very disappointed when I was making this little program. You see, I had to size it so it would fit nicely on the screen. And I was depressed to realize that I'm never going to need a screen any wider than that. I'm never going to get any more digits on my clock than that. I might get to about three billion if I live as long as Moses, but that's it. It's counting away, and it's never going to get any wider than that. That's my clock of yesterday, 1.2 billion seconds. Of course, it's a pretty big, ugly clock. If I carry it around with me everywhere, I'm going to need a really big watch to carry it, and every time you ask me what the time is, I'm going to say, well, it's 1 billion, 190 million, 900,895, 96, 97 seconds. It's also going to be very difficult if I use that clock for us to make arrangements, because if we wanted to meet this time next year, we would have to add 31 million, uh, 356,000, something like that, onto it, and it would be very difficult because that clock's different for all of us. So we'd have to make different arrangements using different people's clocks. That's my personal clock. That's all my yesterdays. But it's very accurate. So if Moses said that if I count my days correctly, then I'll gain a heart of wisdom, then I can't get much wiser than that clock. It's a very accurate clock. It just measures the wrong thing. You see, like that little number in your car that tells you how far you've driven, that clock at the top tells me how far I've been. It tells me how old I am. But it doesn't tell me anything about today. But lots of people live their life by that clock at the top. I think in many ways, from our Exodus reading, the Israelites were living their lives by that clock. Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, well, I remember when. Things used to be better when. The good old days. The top clock is the clock of yesterday. The clock of the good old days. I mean, I'm pretty sure that not all 1.2 billion seconds were fantastic, but somehow, standing here, they all seemed easier than the next 10 seconds are going to be. Somehow, when I look back on it, they were pretty darn good, those 1.2 billion seconds. I wasted a few of them, and a few of them were uncomfortable, but they seem easier than the unknown seconds that lie ahead. And it's particularly easy 
for the Israelites to be like that. Because God had been pretty big in their history. It was recorded and written down for them. He seemed like the God of yesterday. Remember the God that parted the Red Sea? Remember the God that closed it behind them? Remember the God of Passover? He's a God that did big things in all their yesterdays. People accuse us, Christians, of it all the time, of living in the past. This book, the Bible, is full of history. I'm not saying we shouldn't learn it. I'm not saying we shouldn't read every single word. This book is the closest we will come to knowing and understanding God. But do not make the mistake of thinking that God is living in this book. This is the book of God's history, but it is not where you'll find him. This is the God of then. But God doesn't live then, he lives now. So don't be like the Israelites and presume that God is there somewhere in our past. Or the bottom clock, the orange clock. Now this is the same for all of us. This is how many seconds are left in 2009. So any of you who did make a New Year's resolution, I realise why you didn't put your hands up, because Charles wrote an article in the Good News saying we shouldn't have New Year's resolutions. But if you did make one, if you did promise to go to the gym every day of 2009, then you have another 31,236,477 seconds with which to carry that out. Or maybe not. Because the problem with the clock of tomorrow at the bottom of the screen is we simply don't know what it is. God willing, we have 31,236,459 seconds left in 2009. And beyond that, who knows? Beyond this next second, who really knows? The orange clock is uncertain. And it encourages us to focus on the wrong thing. Not our history, but to put things off until tomorrow. I mean, it's a huge clock. I've got 31,236,000 seconds left. I'll just lie in bed a little longer. It doesn't, I'm never going to usefully use them all. We figured that out earlier on. So I can just waste a few. It focuses on the wrong thing. And it can also distract us in our faith. Because those Israelites, they knew that God was also a God of the future. He'd made them a promise. They were heading towards the promised land. It was there, somewhere just over the horizon. They knew that. They must have known that with all their heart, or they wouldn't have kept on walking. You see, for them, God was a God of the past. He was a God of history. And for us, we can find him in history, too, in these pages. But these are also pages of prophecy. They're also pages that talk of the God that will become, that will be in the future. We all believe that there will be an eternity, that there is a heaven, that God is somewhere there. We're accused of it constantly, aren't we? Pie in the sky when we die. But he's not the God of then. And he's not the God of some future when. He is the God of now. He is the God of today. And so if we're to number our days correctly, then we need nothing more than the middle clock, the green one. January the 4th, 2009. And underneath that, the time is ticking away. I encoded it. Do you know why? Because you'd all be really distracted if that said what the time is. Do you know how powerful clocks are? If that told you what the time actually is right now, you'd all be staring at that, thinking of what you should be doing at home, thinking about maybe the lunch should be going on right about now, thinking, oh my goodness, I'm never going to get all the potatoes done now. Look how long he's talked for. And because clocks are a powerful thing, I've encoded it. 
The clock on the left is counting up every second. That's how many seconds of our 86,400 we've used so far today. And the clock on the right is the number of those 86,400 seconds that we have left today. And that's the clock that Moses wants us to use. That's the clock of today. You see, I'm not sure whether Charles realized it when um, he asked me to preach today, but today is really a rather important day. If you read through the Bible, there are certain passages that keep repeating. Remember, do not be afraid, that's mentioned 365 days. There's something that's mentioned more frequently than that. There's a particular day, which if you open the Bible, is mentioned approximately 1,000 times. It is January the 4th, 2009. In fact, it's mentioned so often that if you open the Bible on almost any page where there are two pages facing you, statistically, January the 4th, 2009 will be mentioned. So I want to thank Charles for letting me preach on this, the most important day mentioned anywhere and everywhere in the Bible. Let me give you some examples. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. Encourage one another day by day as long as it is still called today. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Jesus said when you pray, this is what you should pray for. It's in Matthew 6. If you still have it open, it's a few paragraphs up the page. Give us today your daily bread. That's what it means to live in a daily manner. I can't spell. I think I've preached on that before. But we didn't misspell what's written in your bulletin. To live in a daily manner is to live like the Israelites. It's to understand your daily dependence on the manner of God. It's to understand, as Jesus asked us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We depend on him for it. At the end of our Matthew reading, we're asked simply this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then it goes on to talk again about tomorrow. You see, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we, we look not at verse 34, but back to verse 33 for today. How do we number our days? It is simply today, January the 4th, 2009. And we must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the rest he will give us. He gave to the Israelites in the wilderness abundantly and generously. He fed them twice a day with meat and with bread, more than enough for everybody. But in the wilderness, he was able to use a little Brewster's Millions trick to make us understand our daily dependence on him, because the manna wouldn't last a second day. And some of the Israelites didn't have quite enough faith. They gathered up some of the manna, and they tried to keep it for tomorrow. But it's spoiled. And it's the same with those 86,400 seconds. If we number them correctly, they don't work like an exercise book at all. They work like a canvas like a brand new, fresh canvas for you to paint upon each and every morning. You don't have to wait a year for another 
first page. God is a God of first pages, a God of a fresh canvas every morning. And if you'll follow me on this example, if I was to make you a canvas with 86,400 squares, each of them an inch across, we would need a canvas that was 24 and a half feet wide. That's roughly from there to there and the same height. God will grant you that each and every day if you number them correctly. Don't carry all your old exercise books around with you. When I went into my lessons, these were either in my bag or back at home. They were handy for reference, but I didn't carry every single one of them to every single lesson on every single day. And when I started to work, I didn't leaf through every single page until I got to the final blank one. Don't carry the books around with you. God wants to give you fresh each day this canvas, 24 and a half feet wide by 24 and a half feet high. And at the start of every day, number it. Dedicate it to God and to his praise, and then paint on it. Paint and use every one of those 86,400 inches. Paint with all the passion and vigor you can find. Paint with every color. Stick things on it, but never stop painting. Fill every inch every day. Don't stop because you think the canvas is too small. Don't stop because you think the canvas is too big. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't paint and don't stop because you think others paint better than you. Simply paint each and every day. Every one of those 86,400 seconds. Don't stop painting because someone laughed at what you drew yesterday. Don't stop painting because you're angry or because somebody has upset you. Paint every day. God will never laugh at what you draw. I'm going to say this in love to my children. Some of the things they painted when they were younger, I had no idea what they were, but I loved them anyway. God will look at what you paint with the heart of a father. It doesn't matter what you paint. It doesn't matter how good it is. He will understand it, and he will love you for it. Don't stop. Don't ever stop because you think you are too young. Don't ever stop because you think you are too old. Do not stop painting upon every inch of that canvas every single day until God stops giving you canvases. Because then, equipped by the apprenticeship of those 24 and a half foot square canvases, you and I will paint alongside God for eternity. Amen.